Hi, Boots the House down real as Candy Warhol. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing okay, uh, Kiki Leaks. It's been a, it's been a wild weekend uh, for the two of us and I have to say I'm feeling a bit down. Oh. I'm feeling a bit down. I'm feeling a bit down. Do, do tell, do tell, do tell. You said something at the very start of the, when we first started season three that I feel it was a bit ominous. Um, and that was, we haven't had any real feuds and we haven't been in the tabloids. And, mm. ne- and, and now we are, after we were <laughs> finally revealed on The Masked Singer last night. Um, yes. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm feeling embarrassed, I'm feeling ashamed, and I'm feeling judged. I'm feeling um, judged. Yeah, it was a big shock, a big shock to our fans. <sighs> Very big shock to our fans. Uh, myself and Kiki were revealed as the beach ball uh, last night. <laughs> and before we go on, uh, we can play a clip of our one and only performance um, of Party in the USA. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know what to say, Kiki, to be honest. It was really good, I think. I loved our southern accent flair. Party yes. in the USI. For, for anyone wondering, Kiki was asked to be on The Masked Singer because obviously I would, you know, be revealed very straight away because, you know, I'm a multi-platinum uh, recording artist. Um, <laughs> I know that and she, and she was too shy. So I did join her. And then once we were in that beach ball, I feel like I was sabotaged. I feel like you took over <laughs> and I wasn't able to sing. Well, you know what, dear? Sometimes the brightest star shines up the night sky. What can I say? Waking up today, you know, we've been called um, the disgrace of our nation, um, an embarrassment <laughs> to the Emerald Isle. Um, and, you know, I, I just, Ireland, I hope you can forgive us. I hope you can forgive us, to be honest. I, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm mortified, to be honest. I don't think you should be embarrassed here. I think I did a lovely job. I think, although there's a lot of hate, I feel there's a lot of love as well. I haven't seen mm. much of it. I just feel it. Yes. Yes, well, uh, maybe uh, have a look at the tabloids when you get home, my love, because... I don't uh, never read the, the tabloids, the, darling, never uh, the, read the, the tabloids. The slanderous things that they are calling you, the slurs, uh, usually I would say, you know, that is homophobic and that's bigoted, but um, for some of it, um, I do agree. Send them to my lawyer. As eventful as last weekend was, I just want to talk about myself for a minute, because, you know, it's who I am, it's what I'm about. Of course you can. So, um, I got boobs recently. Yes, the new, yes. Uh, the new Dolly Parton album. Yes. <laughs> no, I got those lovely high-necked boobs recently. Have you seen? Oh, your um, your what do you call them? Thingy. The bibs. I thought you, I thought you had them. I thought you had a bibbity bobbity boob before, but it was I it did was quite have an old bibbity bobbity boob. It was very disturbing. An old bibbity bobbity boob, but bitch, this is an upgrade. Okay, so I wanted to go for something more subtle this time, more realistic. Yes. Um, kind of more of a teardrop shape, you know. Teardrop, kind of under the muscle type. Yeah, you like a teardrop breast. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, teardrop. That's yeah. what you, that's what your dad has when he sees you in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the winning joke of all the podcasts. I love that. 
keep that in. <laughs> I will. Oh my god. Oh. But yeah, so I just wanted something small, something subtle, something realistic. So I got a G, just a, like a G cup. A G, a G cup. Have I? <laughs> Were you wearing them when I was up a few weeks ago? I don't think so. No, these are brand new, off the press, off the shelf. And color. and where does one purchase a bib? Well, you know me, I like the finer things in life. I yes. go to these kind of exclusive places. Mm-hmm. So it, it was Amazon. Uh, yes. And can yeah. I ask how much your boo bib was? <laughs> But the bibbidi bobbidi boop, I believe, came to 140 euros. Holy shit. 140 euro. Mm-hmm. What are you expecting? Higher? Lower? Um, Lower. I just didn't. I just, I've never, I've never put a price. Because I don't even wear bras. I, I like never that. put a price on them I before. never put a price on them. Because I like that flat chested Morticia Adams look. I've never, I just don't do them. So mm. I was sh- I'm shocked to hear that like people paid that much. Um, They're amazing. They're my new life. I've and they're not very heavy. journey. Very heavy. Very heavy, very sweaty. That whole episode of Friends with Ross in the bathroom with the leather and the, the, the paste yes. forms with the talcum powder. It's very that. Okay. Now those last ones I had, they were nothing, girl. They they, they were just like, we, these are so freaking realistic looking. It's creepy. Okay. I live. I live. I live. Mm, okay. I'm gonna ha- you can have a go the next time you're down. I'm delighted for you and your boo bib. Just thought I'd share that with everyone. I was go- I was going to talk about myself, but I do... I do hear something in the back. Do you hear that, my love? Is it a, a rattle, a rustle, a, a, a knocking? A... <gasps> oh my god. I think it is. It is her. It is our dear friend, Maximilian Foy. Max is in the house. It is officially time for gay gas. Hold on a second oh till I park this broom. My God, my love! Sorry, the, there you go. The, the chemicals in the air, the fumes in your you're in the air. You're the reason we have uh, global warming, my love. This is it. You know what? Hi, I decided, Max. Hi, Kiki Leaks. How are you? And oh you know God. what? I decided. <laughs> I decided to get. Have you seen those like vehicles that people have? You know, where it, it's like no, the other ones, not quite a car, not quite a bike. It's like a skateboard a with a handle that they like. You know, a scooter. scooter. Yeah, they zoom down the paths with these. Scooters now, and it's all Light business it. people with their business bags going mm-hmm. down the thing. I decided to to fit one of them onto the onto the onto the back of the broomstick. So uh, I've been I've been absolutely <laughs> flying everywhere I have, and that's what the smell of breath, very innovative. The smell of maybe agri maybe that's agri-gas. what they should do. Maybe that's what they should do in Hocus Pocus too, instead of the vacuum cleaner. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I, I've been getting the agricultural diesel instead of regular fuel, so I can have that green spray, <laughs> you know, which is very hocus pocusy as well. You'd love uh, it. It's very, it's very aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> How was your week, my love? How was everything in in gay gas bland with you? My week. Any news? My week has been terribly stressful, Candy. Um, uh, do you know what? I haven't been. I I know I might look as fresh as a daisy who's just you know had, <gasps> had a face peel. A daisy. But um, uh, I'm, I'm not forgetting. <laughs> Much sleep, unfortunately. Ah, and this is a mm. true story, and 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 you can vouch for this because this is a one of the most friends and earthy things that we could possibly say, but also is true. Uh, I have a deaf cat. Oh, oh my yes. god! And I have a deaf cat who. Um, who uh, is a rescue cat. Uh, he was uh, brought in as a little bitty baby. And unfortunately, the problem with him is that he screams, like, horrifically. Like, blood-curdling, uh, murder movie, you know, just like scream queen screams all the time. But yeah, so my <laughs> basically, uh, my housemate has got away for uh, a few a few days, and uh, this poor cat has separation anxiety and has been screaming ah. down 
the goddamn house here. So I've been I've been doing everything I can to keep it um to keep it you know together and to you know to calm the poor little thing down. Mm-hmm. But I had a revelation mm-hmm. with this fucking cat, and it's a, it's a revelation that fits in very very well with the guest today. Okay. Reveal. Okay. Reveal. So as you know, we have. Jenny Green on the show this evening, right? And one of my favourite episodes of Sabrina was when Salem had a wish to get put in the body of Gordy. Remember that? <gasps> yes! And they tried to get the principal elected to the principal in the school. <laughs> so basically, at the end of that, Salem gets put back into the body of the cat and gets an extra 50 years onto his sentence. Oh, yes. Okay, I reckon that we actually have Salem in this house and the realisation that Salem is stuck in the the body of of the cat has just sunk in (laughs) and the horror is just causing this cat to scream at the top of his lungs because he's just figured out another 50 years like stuck in the body of a cat. If we don't win a podcast award for this segue of all Segway. time, this is detailed. This is real problems that I'm having right now. <laughs> so, Candy Warhol, so Kiki Leaky Weeky Sinclair, I wanted to ask you, what was your favourite episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch? I think the first three seasons resonate the the most with me because I would have been so young when I was seeing them, you know, and I would have really watched them on repeat. One that really stands out to me because it just had so many, like, iconic bits was the episode where she got addicted to pancakes. Oh, yeah. And my favourite scene in it, which really, as, like, a young seven, eight-year-old who was getting bullied, I always questioned, like, why was I obsessed with the likes of characters like Libby? But Sabrina is, like, eating pancakes out of a bin because she's so, like, <laughs> excited and, like, so addicted to the pancakes. And Jenna Lee Green, who plays Libby, walks in and looks at her and is like, ew. And then when, she, <laughs> when she's walking away, she goes, ew. <laughs> they say she keeps all her belongings in a shopping cart. <laughs> like, like, probably not PC now, but at the time, I wet myself as a seven-year-old. I thought that was so funny, the way she delivered it. Also, when she has this weird dream sequence and they they sing this um, song, like the cake's on the griddle, da, 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 and Miss Quick is singing. I, Miss Quick is one of my favourite characters in Sabrina mm, as well. She's so cute. So good. Apart from that, there was also an episode where... Um, Sabrina opens a can of worms and it turns into a soap opera. I vaguely remember that. I vaguely remember the soap opera episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I watched all of Sabrina during lockdown again, so it's kind of like fresh in my mind. I need yeah. to go back. I say it's so good and so it's watchable. It's so good. So watchable. Yeah, she opens a can of worms because her life isn't that exciting. And then suddenly it's like a soap opera that's like spiraling out of control. I always liked that one. Like those ones where like the characters like, I don't know, went into dream sequences or like got to Little draggy parts of it. So I I just, sticking to Sabrina, I have a bit of a weird one. Like loved the TV show and stuff growing up, but I was absolutely obsessed with the books. Did you guys ever read the books? I would have bought like two or three of the books. I would, I think I remember I bought more Buffy books. Oh, bitch, I had all the books. All of the books. I couldn't tell you where they are now, but I'd love to root them out. It'd be so cute to see. But yeah, I was obsessed with them. I used to collect them. They were so good. And I remember the movie they did as well, like Sabrina Goes to Rome. Yeah, they actually did. I remember uh, on Nickelodeon, they showed like 
so uh, Sabrina was like a movie first. <gasps> yes, I forgot. Yeah, so they had like a completely different cast except for mm. Melissa Joan Hart and the girl who played Jenny played a different character. But then they revamped the whole cast and whole vibe of it. Like the magic was different. And then once it took off, then they did like, you know, Sabrina goes to Rome. Sabrina goes to like Australia, wherever, I think. They're so cute. They're so cute. Yeah, I, I remember um, during lockdown, we did loads of like cleaning out and I had like a massive big like box and it was filled with like Sabrina Buffy and Charmed mm-hmm. book and I had to make that emotional decision of like look you didn't read them back then you're not going to read them now like you, I saw I gave them <laughs> to a charity shop but I almost broke my heart because it just I, I just used to love them I know but you have to do the things because then you just end up with a load of shit and when you're at, when you're your age gal you just you need to get rid of it you do you do any other favourite Sabrina moments Max Uh, I remember the one do you remember the one where she was a writer and she was I just remember her just sitting in the middle (gasps) of the thing with like crumpled up pieces of paper just getting higher Yeah, I remember that one is that where is that the like one where it was also kind of soap opera-y and she was like whatever she was writing was turning yeah, into yeah, a... Yeah, 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 um, but I can't... That I, was I really so have to watch good. these again because they're just little fragments in, f- fragments in my brain. <laughs> yeah, because wasn't there like an evil and... There yeah, two and of Valerie everyone. was like in a black like leather yes! cat suit. Obsessed. <laughs> that was such a good one. Up after the break, we are talking to Jenna Lee Green, incredible actress uh, from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Wicked, and many other things. She's doing a lot at the moment. I'm excited to talk Busy to her. Girl! Busy girl! Busy um, girl! But first, Maximilian, I will talk to you after the interview. Please go get my lunch. <laughs> everything went into lockdown, I had just returned from the UK. I was at a convention, a Comic-Con in Liverpool. I felt like I went on this fantastic, amazing trip right before the world shut down. And I flew back to New York and within two days, every, I mean, it was like, I, it was like everything was okay when I left and I came back to this whole new world. It was mm-hmm. really strange. Yeah. And so then I kind of, you know, a lot of people I know got out of the city immediately. They, mm. you know, went to family or wherever they went, they just left immediately. Yeah. And at that point, I kind of was like, you know, I'm from Los Angeles. And at mm. that point, well, even till now, Los Angeles was doing so much better than New York. New York was yeah. just like the epicenter of everything. And Los Angeles was doing really well. So I thought, should I get out now? Yeah. But then I was like, I don't, it was just scary and I didn't want to mm-hmm. fly. And yeah. I was kept thinking how lucky I was to have gotten to take that trip and then get back and everything was fine. So I was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I left my apartment. I'll just, I'll ride this out. And yeah. 96 days later, when I had not spoken to another human being in person, I was alone here in my apartment and, you know, no one was interacting at all unless you were sheltering in place with someone else, which I was not. And, you know, I would take walks, but even still the first few weeks of it, Mm -hmm. nobody, we didn't know anything. So we were too scared to go out anywhere. So I would take walks like once or twice a week. So I would like see human beings, but as far as I was having my food delivered. So this this type of interaction, I should have gotten a new computer before all this started, (sighs) let me tell you. I've never used my computer so much in my I've had this laptop that I'm like, ah, I never really use yeah. it. Finally, 
I made the decision for kind of for like my mental health yeah. that I needed to go. So I took all the precautions. I found um, a friend's place that I could stay at to quarantine for, you know, two weeks yeah. once I got there. But I did go to Los Angeles. Okay. And of course, once I got right. there, LA just got horrible again. Did, so, oh I was going to say, didn't it like flip? Like New York now is much better, isn't it? Completely flipped. New York is doing great right now. I mean, knock mm. on wood. Yeah. New York is doing really, really well. So, but it was great. I went to... LA for two and a half months. It was really nice. It's, it's just easier there because you have a car and people have homes instead of apartments. Yeah. So they've got backyards and front yards and porches. Yeah. And so you can move around and you can actually interact with people. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice. It was great for my sanity, but then I had stuff I had to kind of take care of. So I came back to New York. Okay. I've been back mm-hmm. for a month now. Yeah, you're working on a lot of stuff right now, but and we, we're going to get into that. But before we do, like what, you're pretty much acting your entire life. Like what made you start? Can you remember, uh, was it a play or someone on TV that you saw that sparked that interest for you? Oh my gosh. I mean... I, I, I want to say that, you know, through the church we went to when I was a kid, they did like little musical things. And my mom was really very, very, very dear friends with the woman who kind of ran the choir at the church. And, you know, my mom loved, loved drama. So she was like, oh, we should do like, you know, we should do a, a play that has, you know, music and, and, and I'll do the acting. So my sisters and I just kind of went because that's what our mom was doing. Too. Yeah. But... I just, I think I really took a liking to it. And then someone showed my mother an article in the local paper about this summer program for kids that was this theater and you put on a production at the end of the summer. So my mom asked my sister and I if we were interested in it and we both were, and then that was it. Okay. And then I started doing everything in school. But yes, living in Southern California, there's so much theater and like a lot of it is community theater Mm -hmm. but it's really good community theater yeah so i just immediately started doing everything every play i could do in school if any of the local theaters around you know if it worked out time-wise and my mom could give me rides i would sometimes i wasn't even in the shows i'd ask him if i could like work backstage or do i just wanted to be around it and it's a great sign that you were really immersed in it yeah, it really brought me out of my shell. And I found this place where, you know, not to say that I didn't like myself, but I didn't have to be myself. I could be all these different people. And then it just grew from there, you know, living so close. I still lived in the suburbs, but living so close to Hollywood, you know, people come and they see things. Mm. And I was doing, gosh, what, what was the show? I want to say I was playing Little Red in Into the Woods. And there was a manager that had that was in the house and came and saw the show and kind of chatted with me afterwards and my mom and was like, you know, is this something that she'd be interested? You would, would you want to try it professionally? And so we were like, well, that's amazing. But yeah, so it just kind of went from there. So I, what's funny is that I, I was always just a musical theater nerd yeah. who fell into television. Yeah. Cause the first time I saw you and I probably should not have been watching at this at the age of six, but I remember watching um, death of a cheerleader and you were in that. <laughs> Do you remember that? Well, also you remember that you were in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was one of my very first jobs ever. And my mom was always on really? set and she loved Tori Spelling so much. To this day, she's still, have you spoken to Tori? How is she doing? Oh. Like, wow. She, she was really lovely and nice. But um, yeah, I had a great time. And of course, you know, I was that that girl, which still, it, like, I still kind of try and hold on to these things. But like, 
I made friends with the whole crew on that show right. because I was so new yeah. to the whole thing that I didn't know that, you know, when you're in your trailer and you're changing clothes, wardrobe from, you know, one, one scene to the next, you don't have to put it all back on the hanger and walk it back to the wardrobe trailer and give yeah. it back to them. Yeah. I didn't know I could just like, you know, leave it and they'll come and change things out. So I would just like knock on their door and bring my clothes yeah. back and they're like, oh, you precious thing. <laughs> What was that like kind of going from these production stage productions to crossing into TV? Was that a scary time for you or was it really exciting? Um, do you know what? Here's the thing about you. I was never really scared of anything. I'm scared of so much more now as an adult. Like I have terrible stage fright. Really? When I say terrible stage fright, I have somewhat crippling stage fright. I sometimes will actually have to take something to calm myself down for auditions, for performances, for once I'm, if I'm doing like a, like a long running show, obviously at a certain point you get into the groove and you Mm -hmm. are very comfortable. And, but when it's like a one-off or a concert or Mm -hmm. an audition or whatever, I just get so, but when I was young, I never had that. Like when we're young, we're just not afraid of things. Mm. I thought it was so fun. I never understood, even the audition process for things used to be so much more in depth than it is now. Mm. I mean, I remember for Sabrina, for instance, I must have had six or seven auditions for that show at least. Like, it was just like I went and auditioned and then I had a call back and then they called me back the next week and then they called me back again and they're like, well, we're still deciding, we're on the fence, but we're going to have her come back in again. And and then on the day that you do what's called the the test, you mm-hmm. have to test for it. Yeah. That's a whole process as well. That I didn't, and I didn't know any of this. It's you go in earlier in the day and, and you have to, do, and then they still might, may make a cut and then you come back again later. But I was so, I guess, naive to like how everything worked and how difficult it really all was that I was always like, okay. Yeah. You know, now I'd be like, oh God, I got to do it again. But crazy flip side of it is nothing works like that anymore. Like now, even if you do go into an office, they're still taping you. And then Mm -hmm. generally the people that they like from the, from the, you know, however many people they saw over the course of a few days then they send those tapes to the director and producers. And then most of the time, they'll cast straight from that. You don't even have to go back. Wow. So it's just a different process. What was like that back then? I mean, eight auditions sounds mental, but after eight (gasps) auditions, what was it like then getting on Sabrina after so long of auditioning? Um, gosh, I don't, it's so hard to like really remember. I, I, you know, a, a funny story about that audition, um, the girl that, because it, it kept getting, you know, narrowed down and narrowed down and narrowed down. And finally, mm. the, the last day I was there in the morning, like I said, sometimes you'll go in in the morning of your test day and there'll be however many people. And then you might come back later, you know, a few hours later for the final test and it's changed. Well, in the morning, there was three of us. Oh my God. And then when I came back later in the day, it was just one other girl. And I, of course, we've become somewhat friendly because the past, you know, over the course of, you know, three or four weeks, we kept seeing each other at the auditions. And I remember, actually, she reminded me that we'd had this conversation where I guess I said to her, gosh, this is so weird. I'm not used to girls being friendly. Because a lot of times at auditions, you'll notice that the people around you just kind of are. Competitive. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. it's so funny because I've always tried to keep the mind frame of none of these people are my competition. My only competition is myself. Mm-hmm. Because what they have to offer is completely different than what I have to offer, even if we look exactly the same. Yeah. So it's, I always try and remind myself that. But that's not something that, you know, everybody does. No. A lot of people do kind of stare people down and try and, you know, size them up 
and it was just so refreshing. Here's a sweet girl. She, to this day, she is a dear friend. No way. Wow. So Isn't that incredible? Yeah, and she actually, they ended up bringing her on the show oh, in a couple of episodes. She, Who was she? I wonder if we know she her. She played a friend of mine. She was, played a friend of Libby's in a handful of episodes, I think in the first season. She, her name's Nicole Bilderback. She was also in Clueless. She was Summer oh, in Clueless, oh, and yes. she was in Bring It On. She was Whoa, 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 Whitney. They wow. She's a dear friend of mine. It's not crazy. So, I think that's amazing. And that's how we met, <laughs> testing against each other. Yeah. So I just, I think mm-hmm. I was just excited to go to work and I was excited to, I, I had to move because where I was living was, yeah. you know, too far away. So I moved, you know, got, got a, uh, my first apartment in the city. Wow. I shared with Allison Hannigan. No, we you did acting. not. Mm-hmm. She was my first roommate in the city because we were in acting class together. And she had bought this house because, of course, she'd been, you know, acting professionally mm-hmm. since she was really, really little. And so she was like, I need a roommate. Oh, my God. That was like gay so- heaven. The two of you in her. That's like gay guys freaking out. Right? So, um, but I, it was just a really exciting point of time for me. But also, I, I think that I never, even though I was so young mm. and you think there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of stories about young Hollywood and this and that. I was, I was always so focused. I think that it took me a long time to actually to relax mm-hmm. as an adult mm. because from a very young age, I just felt this pressure to be responsible and to act like an adult, mm-hmm. even though I really wasn't yet. So I I understood, even though it was a whole new world for me, I understood the importance of showing up on time and having being prepared mm. and being friendly and being easy to work with and being like, I really truly feel like I prided myself on, on just being someone that people hopefully yeah. wanted to, to go Come to work with. So how old were you when you moved to California and you moved into that apartment? No, um, I, it was after high school. So I, I, I had graduated high school. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was great too, because you know, I always looked really young. So that really helped too. Cause you know, I think we were, we were meant to be 15 at the start of the show. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah. I mean, you all looked, you all looked pretty young. You watch a lot of American high school things and they're obviously in their, they look like they're in their fifties. <laughs> You look like you're actually teenagers. I feel like it went through phases because, you know, I, I do think that we all, and we were, I mean, honestly, we were a few years older, but we, hmm. we were really young, but still all over 18. And um, then, yes, then you look at some things and it was like, it's like, oh, come on, they're in high school. But now I do feel like a lot of the shows have reverted back towards looking really young, you know? Yeah, it's just more realistic as well. Like, especially when you're watching shows like, Love Simon or Heartstopper. It's like you're watching teenagers that they should look like teenagers. Um, when you were creating the character of Libby, like where did you draw inspiration from or how did you prepare to be a villain? So something, and I, I honestly think that the the acting teacher that I had at the time, who was Blake Lively's father. Wow. Girl, you were connected to all these lives. Uh, just. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, you know, we, we worked on the audition scenes and something that we had come up with was what if, because, you know, a lot of these, this dialogue, a lot of the things that she said were really mean and we were trying, you know, it's so hard to differentiate yourself. It's so hard to, to stand out from, you know, let's be real here. You know, everyone who auditions for something is not going to be good, but a lot of people are, there's just so much talent. There's a lot of talented people in, in, in Hollywood, in New York, you know, so what can you, you're always trying to figure out what you can do to, to, to just make it different, make it, make Mm. it stand out in Mm. some way. And um, the term that we came up with was 
say it with a smile because there's such a difference if you're like, you're such a freak as opposed to you're such a freak. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, yeah. so we just came up with this way of like every time she would like really get a zinger in there just to like, just to smirk a little bit and say it sweetly. And something that I've always felt also, and this goes into what all of the workshop process with Heather Chandler, mm. um, I never wanted to yell anything. Yes. Because people always associate being mean with being like mm. barking yeah. and being and screaming and just being like, ah! and it's like, I always feel like when you're, when that, that, that mean character that ev you, everybody just wants to like eat it up, they don't have to raise their voice because people listen to them. So you can just demand their attention. Yes. Even if you're about to say something absolutely horrible. Why? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So, and again, this is definitely something that I've, I've tried to like cultivate over years. At the time, mm. it was as simple as, what if you just said those lines with a smile? Oh, okay, I'll try that. And Nell Scavell, who, who was the creator of, of the, the original creator of Sabrina, she has told me numerous times, she's like, that, you got the job because wow. of that. She's like, you just came in there and you just said everything with a smile. Wow. And we just were like, oh. Amazing. So yeah, so that's that's and I truly think to this day a lot of a lot of when you when you think back on like really kind of iconic um, mean girl performances, not I'm not putting myself in that category. I'm just talking about what I've seen before the the, the those those people that that I relate to, um, you know even like even even like Miranda Priestly like not that she said things with a smile but she was so small and precise with what she said and you were so much more terrified of her voice like this than you would be if she was yelling at you you know were you aware or are you aware of like how iconic the character libby was and how much like how much the gays lived for libby do you get that not i mean I, I, in little in little factions yes but I, I i don't think that i've ever known that it was like a, a i don't know i don't know i mean i guess you know, so my, my dreams were made because um, I had done, er, like very early on into quarantine, we, the cast, a lot, a, a strong majority of the cast of Sabrina, we all kind of did a, a group Zoom for charity. And um, one of the things I had said on it was that my dream was for somebody to make a meme of Libby, you know, saying, ew, and then of course everyone's new rightful obsession, Shit's Creek, <laughs> yes. because Alexis is always saying, ew, David, ew, David. And I was like, I just want somebody to do a side by side. And my dreams were answered because of course, within days I got all of these people. Amazing. I'm like, that's my dream. I'm like, she, yeah. that's my line. So good. I feel like Libby, Libby owns ew. Like that was, yeah, that's so good. Did you, I, it's funny when you were talking about the, the Comic Con, I remember being in London at the time and seeing that and being like, oh, is, we should go, but that's definitely going to be cancelled. So I was, remember being surprised that that went ahead because of the quarantine. I can't even believe that it wasn't cancelled now. At the time, again, of course, we didn't know the, the mm -hmm. extent of everything. And it was yeah. the very first week of March. So it was like, now looking back on it, 
A, I can't believe it wasn't canceled, but B, I am so thankful that it wasn't and that we stayed safe, but I had such a good time. It was my first time ever attending any sort of Comic-Con or anything like that. And if people were interested in, in I, don't, I didn't even know that I would be someone that people were interested in, but if that is truly the case, I had so much fun and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yes. <laughs> and, pe- and people came dressed as you. Yeah. <laughs> it was so I mean, cool. let's be real here. People were crazy freaking out over Melissa and over sure. Beth Broderick. But, you know, about, about 80% of, 75% of those people freaking out over them were also freaking out that I was there too. It was really nice. Even when you like think about like how big it was, like I know it was on ABC there, but over here it was on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And like just at that time, it was like the thing to watch. And in America, I'm sure it was pulling in the years that you were in, like 12 million like viewers. Like you couldn't buy that now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like a different time. Nothing's the same. It, things aren't the same now. They truly aren't. And and um, also what's not the same now is, you know, how much mm-hmm. syndication things, shows go mm-hmm. into, like the repeats and the and the buying is by different networks, because there is yeah. just so much more content now that so many of the networks can just put on new, you know, a new show. They don't have to keep the same shows. So I feel very lucky that it's crazy to me that the show still airs all over the place. And I still get messages and, and, you know, very sweet comments from people all the time being like, I'm rewatching it. I'm showing my my five-year-old daughter is watching the show with me now. And like, it's crazy to me. I feel like your fashion, that was another thing when I was watching Mm -hmm. it back. Like, I just love 90s fashion, but that show in particular. Some of them were so ridiculous. So ridiculous. But so much fun. Like, were you aware at the time? Like, was it ridiculous at the time? Or was it actually the height of the 90s at the time? I mean, listen, I went from a place of, like, you know, I, I grew up in, in the, I, I thought, I, I feel like I grew up in such a loving, great home. But we, finances were not the strong point. We didn't have sure. a lot of funds. And so I never shopped. I mm. never had, like, the coolest clothes or, you know, you were always, you, whatever it is you're coveting. I, mm. I, I generally did not have those things. Yeah. So to, to show up every week on set and then be like, okay, you have a wardrobe fitting now. And then to go and try on all these beautiful clothes that they then pinned and tucked and had altered to fit me perfectly. So not only was I wearing, you know, super cool to this, you know, young girl, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm wearing this outfit. Mm -hmm. But then it's also been tailored to fit me like a glove. Like I was in heaven. It was so fun. So uh, fun. And we were, you know what we were talking about earlier as well with like, again, the height of the 90s and kind of the early 2000s. I feel like that's going to be the last time there was like this, you know, the way because it was social media now, I would imagine that if there's a show, a young actress has probably given up publicists there. They take care of her Instagram. Whereas at that time, it just felt like that was the height of like Britney and like NSYNC and like mm. you were on the cover of magazines. They I remember didn't having have social media. Mm. There no. wasn't any. That's it. So like, what was it like? I suppose you couldn't have compared it because you didn't know what was coming. But mm-hmm. did you feel at the time that you were in this like massive, you know, thing, this massive like time of the 90s teen stars? Or I don't think that I, I think that first of all, being so young and it being like my first, you know, big job. I think Melissa obviously understood a bit more. She'd already done Clarissa. So she understood a bit more of, of what um, publicity was like and what, you know, walking through a mall was like or or an amusement park or something like that I don't I didn't really understand it and the first season you know we um I want to say that we started filming 
in like June or July, I think, is mm. when we f- started filming the show. And then the first episode aired in September. So we still had through, so first episode aired in September, and we continued filming through April or May. Wow. So we were so busy all the time. We never even watched the show on Friday nights the first season because we were always <laughs> working. Friday night was our long day because even though so many people think that we taped it like a sitcom, we didn't. We um, Monday, Tuesday was kind of like a sitcom schedule. We'd come in in the mornings on Monday for the table read, and then they'd take a lunch break while they discussed notes and did rewrites. And then we'd start blocking on the soundstage. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday were full film days. We, we shot 12 to 16 hours all, all three days. And I obviously, depending on how much of the episode I was in or not in, sometimes I had a really easy week. Sometimes I was there the whole, all the time. But Fridays, because they, we, we um, you know, in, in shooting, you have something called a, a turnaround, meaning mm-hmm. there's a, a, under the contracts, there's a certain amount of time that they have to give you between when you're released the night before and when you come back the next day. Okay. So we had a tw- as the actors, we had a 12-hour turnaround. So if we shot too late, it mm. pushed the whole shooting day the next day. But on Fridays, because no one worked the next day, you could shoot till 3 a.m. if we weren't finished. So we never watched the show and we were just so busy. So it was like news was coming in about the show being popular and and the ratings and but I didn't really know what any of that stuff meant at the time and it wasn't until we were kind of finishing the first season and Mm. I remember Melissa and I went to an in-sync concert oh my god Britney was opening for them and they had both been on the show the first season and so they had invited us to the show it was really great Melissa I think it was just Melissa and I maybe I don't think Nate was there, but maybe he was. I can't remember for sure. But I know Melissa and I were there and we were going to get to go backstage afterwards. It was so exciting. And, you know, because of course, in my mind, I'm like, I mean, I know I met them on the set, but they won't remember me. And, (laughs) you know, I I didn't know, you know, to me, they were like so famous. And um, we got there and we went to our seats and it was still a strong, you know, 20 minutes or so before the concert started. And people like mobbed us and we they had to they had to take us out until until it started and then bring us back in and it was the first time that i had any clue because i just hadn't been anywhere yeah was that terrifying it was so weird and surreal and i was like oh my gosh what's happening because i hadn't experienced anything like that yet and then it started to be little things like if i would go into the mall or something like that like people would just follow me around that doesn't happen anymore. I still get that like, oh, wait, you're usually now when people recognize me, people love to play this game where they want me to tell them how they know me. And I hate that game with such a passion. When someone is like, no, I know you. You were on a show, right? You were on a show. And it gets to a point where like I'm an actor and I can, I can totally see bad acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and so it gets to the point where I'm like, <laughs> I know that you know how you know me. Yeah, like, just stop, stop playing dumb. you want me to tell you. <laughs> to make you feel I'm better. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, I know I'm an actor. But I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it to you. Yeah. You know, you know, like, yeah. it's just it's so, always so weird to me when people are like, tell me how I know you. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> in the, in the 90s, though, like, was it always, like, acceptable levels of fandom? Or did it ever get, like, freaky or out of hand? Um, 
I mean, I, you know, definitely there, there were some, you know, kind of freak outs or whatever, but I never felt there was only one time we were actually, I don't, I don't remember what year it was. It had to have been second or third year. It wasn't first, but there was one specific incident where there was a guy who kept sending me letters. Um, he would send them to the production office. So it's not, he didn't have my home address or anything like that, but he would send, and you know, of course this is after everything had happened with Rebecca Schaefer and you know, the guy that, that showed up at her front door and, and shot her. So obviously caution was, was, you know, still people were on. So this guy would like, send letters and he would send like every other day he they, they would get all these letters and it was it was kind of crazy he would write me like five page letters and he would he would be like you're my only friend in the world and like all, like and he would draw pictures of me but I always kind of looked like Richard Ramirez the night stalker in these pictures so that was not his talent but the letters started to get a, a bit creepier and creepier and then he would say then he started so at, at a certain point the, you know, and they were great about it. The production office started kind of intercepting these letters before and, and checking them out before I got to them. And then he started writing things about like, I think I'm going to come to Paramount Studios so I can, so we can hang out. And so then they, I mean, there was like a short period of time where they'd put an extra security guard just because this guy kept writing these letters saying he was going to come, he wanted to come visit me. And he knew where we filmed. Like, getting onto the lot would have been extremely difficult for him. But he kept saying he was going to do it. So that was the only time I ever felt like a little bit, oh, this is, this is a little bit scary. And again, it was only because, you know, a handful of years prior, there had been a stalking incident with another young girl that was on a TV show. So, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and you were so young as well, this. you know. Yeah, and I'm not alone in this. This has happened to. I'm sure that Melissa has gotten, you know, tons of stalkery type mm -hmm. letters. But that was my one experience with like a quasi stalker. <laughs> my God, I'm so scary though. It's horrible. <laughs> Jeez, imagine if I was like Jenna. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> You've had this like incredible journey through musical theater, whether it was in LA or I mean, especially on on Broadway in New York. When you left Sabrina and you went into um, Bear, which is like amazing, critically acclaimed um, musical, was that like a natural transition to go? Like, were you like, okay, I want to go from TV back to theater, or how how did that happen? How was that transition for you? So, um. Bear came about so randomly in in Los Angeles. I had been done, you know, with with Sabrina for a couple of years, and um, I had been going with some friends to this, you know, West Hollywood super gay karaoke that a guy that we knew he was the host of it. So we would go to this karaoke night, and um, the right the creators of Bear had been looking for, they were just in the very, very, very early stages and they wanted to do kind of, you know, a, a little, re, a, honestly, like a, just a reading of, not, not even a workshop, just to sit around and, and read through the script, even though, because the, originally there was a lot more dialogue in Bear than, it, it ended up being sung through with, with barely any dialogue, but originally there was some. 
And so they, and they had the whole thing cast, but they were looking for this one role. And I guess a friend of theirs was like, there's this girl and she used to be on Sabrina and she's still, she's, you know, she still looks like she's 16 years old. And, and she's always at this karaoke. So they, unbeknownst to me, came to karaoke this night and I was there because I went every week with my friends. And um, that's how I met them. And then I just ended up, and I mean, the show, the show changed so much from the initial, initial readings of it to what it became. Uh, even, and it even changed a lot from the production that we did in Los Angeles to the production we did in New York. But we did this production in this tiny, tiny, tiny 99-seat theater in, in Los Angeles in Hollywood and it just blew up. I mean, it was it was sold out so crazy. They they were like seating people on the stairwell of the theater, no which way. is totally illegal. Breaking every yeah, fire marshal. So good. But it just so but then but and everyone thought, oh, this is immediately gonna transfer to New York. But it actually took four years. We did this production in two thousand in LA and we did not open in New York until oh. um, two thousand four. And I ended up being the only the only person from Los Angeles, Los Angeles cast that that came and did it in New York. So that was that brought me to New York, a place I'd always wanted to live. You know, I my dream when I was a kid was always to do you know a, a show in New York. So yeah, was it? Did you feel a difference as a as a performer between California and New York? Is there a different vibe there? Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, there's just a different vibe in general, just in life. Not, not even being, you know, in a show in LA or a show in New York. There's just a completely different feel to both cities. But I don't know. There was just, it was another one of those things where it was like, this was always a dream of mine and I can't believe I'm doing it. And it was a crazy scenario. The show, again, like it was a short six week run and then it got picked up by commercial producers and we were supposed to, they could have kept the, I mean, the show was doing well. They could have kept it running longer here, but they decided to shut the show down, kind of expand it a bit, go back into rehearsals and open up in a bigger theater. And then um, in the midst of all of this, these producers had um, kind of a overhaul of their company and parted ways with the main producer that they'd been working with. And so they lost their money. Wow. So the show, it was like one of those things where you get the phone call being like, hey, we're postponing, mm. but just a little bit. We're, everything's still good. And then you're wondering and you're wondering and, and then you're not really hearing anything. And then you're starting to hear little rumors. And then all of a sudden that dreaded like Monday morning is your first rehearsal. And on the Friday night, you get the call from your agent being like, hey, the show's done. So it was devastating it was really really devastating and i'll never forget not that the shows were the same but it like the next season i think it was the next season or maybe two years later was when spring awakening hit and i'll never forget michael arden and i sitting in the front row watching spring awakening and being so blown away by the show but also looking at each other feeling like this was supposed to be us oh my gosh so it was really hard but on the flip side of that, because I had done Bear, Stephen Remus, who's the original orchestrator and music director of Wicked, and um, I think possibly Stephen Schwartz, but I'm not 100% sure on that, they saw Bear. So within two months of Bear ending and well, us finding out officially that it was over, I was brought in to audition for Wicked and then- Incredible. Yeah, so it's like, it's all tied in and it's all connected and you know, for whatever reason, it all happened the way that it was supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. And now you've done so much theater. 
in New York, which which is incredible. Is there any role that you were like, yeah. I want this, I would like to be in this production? I mean, honestly, this is so cliche and we're not talking about something new, but my favorite show of all time and going back to the very first question you asked me about like, what was the first thing you saw that you were like, I remember seeing a touring production of Les Mis when I was a kid and I was like, this is all I have ever wanted to do. And sadly, I came very, very, very close to getting to play Eponine on tour years ago wow. and I didn't ended up not getting mm. it. And then in the most recent revival that they did in New York, I had some great auditions for, for Fontaine and that didn't end up working okay. either. So I still have yet to to do and obviously sadly i've aged out of eponine but i feel like i still could do fontaine yeah I, i'm still yeah. just dying to do that show it's my favorite favorite show and i feel like there's that's a that's a notch that i still have yet to to cross off i don't even care where i'd go any regional production doing lame is when everything hits back up especially in the uk bring me out there i would love that i want to be your yeah. fontaine yes Advertise it however you want i'm just putting it out there one role actually that I've just seen you do, I sing on YouTube, which I thought was incredible, was um, There Are Worse Things I Could Do. I think you would be amazing as Rizzo oh, and Breeze. Not to typecast you as a mean girl again. No, 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 no. <laughs> I could just see you playing Rizzo really, really well. And then when I saw That'd you- That'd be fun. That was ages uh, before brilliant. I saw video. I can't remember where that was, but you That were was right. like a, you know what's so hysterical? That was at a, a Broadway Sessions, I think is what it was called. And you know, those shows don't even start till like 11.30 p.m. And I think I was doing, I think at the time I was doing The Marvelous Wonderette, so I had had a show that night. And then, you know, and of course, by the time 11.30 rolls around, you know, Wonderettes is a one-act show. So we started at 8.15, we were done at, you know, honestly, we were done at 9.30. So I probably had three glasses of wine by that point. Right. <laughs> Broadway Sessions is such, just such a, you know, you're sitting in a, in a, in a basement bar and everybody, yeah. it's, it is what it is, whatever. So I think the theme of that show was uh, going back to your teenage years and things that you had done or wanted to do. And I think, I think I sang, I know things now from, from Into the Woods. And then I also did there were things I could do. And I told the story about how when I wanted that, that same teenage summer theater group that I was the first thing that I really, you know, my foray into theater, which I continue to do through high school every summer, they did Greece. And it was the first time they ever did a musical. This was like a theater thing. So we did straight play, we did straight plays and we did acting intensive and workshops and all of this stuff. And it was the first time they were doing a musical and it was my last year. And I was so excited about it. I was like, they're doing Greece, this is amazing. And mind you, this is before Sabrina, this is before anything. I'd never played a mean girl before. I was always just like this sweet, you know, I'm, I'm dark haired, but like I always played the sweet, 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 like innocent yeah. girl. Yeah. And they had the auditions and I was so excited. And you know, the world that we still do live in, typecasting is a real, real thing. And they were, you know, they, I'm not trying to, to be like, I'm the best, but we were talking <laughs> about a small town and the, the local high, you know, teenage talent pool. I think it is an okay assumption to say that I was the best female singer that auditioned for the show. But this girl was so beautiful and so blonde and so sweet and of the perfect Sandy Dombrowski. Mm. And then 
I don't think anyone at that point could see me as like the mean, hard, toughened girl. So I didn't get Rizzo either. They, I didn't <gasps> get cast. No didn't get way. Cast. They always had this, they, they had this, like they did a musical and then they did this, like the, the also show, which was like, you know, like a three person woman, girl, three, three girl play. That was like an original. Oh. And I was devastated. Oh my God. I was devastated. Fuming I as we would say here. <laughs> So, so I told this ridiculous story about like, nobody ever would ever cast me as a mean girl. So I didn't get Rizzo in Greece and I'm singing it now. (laughs) Obsessed. Speaking of other like iconic roles or iconic like on-scene moments for you, I saw on Instagram you posted about working with um, Kate Bosworth and that like crazy moment that you had together. Could you share that? Oh, well, I mean, that's like a... um, a very crazy story, but this is real life. You know, this was a very low budget film. And sometimes in those instances, things happen that are beyond people's control. And sometimes things fall through the cracks and you just don't know. But basically um, I play, I play the lawyer for the lead, the lead character in the film. It's just two scenes, but it's like monologues, Mm -hmm. like just talking, 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 and kind of lawyer talk. So it's not easy. That's hard. You know, like lawyer talk, doctor talk. Those are the hardest. So, you know, I fly to, we shot it in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, and um, and there I'm settled. I show up the next day on set and they give me, you know, the, the one-off, you know, you get, you get a short thing that has all the scenes for the day and it has all the dialogue and the order for the day. And I start, I've already, I've, I'm like, you know, have been there for probably an hour at this point because they sometimes bring you in far earlier than you need to be because I don't know. And I just pick it up and all of a sudden I just randomly start flipping through it and I discover that the scene I am filming on that day has been completely rewritten. No. Oh my God. And somehow, whatever channels it had to go through to, for me to get the email with the new, and sometimes, sometimes the, I mean, this happens all the time. And usually the night before, you, you, it's very common to get an email being like, hey, we did a rewrite for tomorrow. Here's the stuff. But I'm on set and I started to freak out because this was not a small rewrite. This was a, this was a, a somewhat major rewrite of like a three page scene. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So that's what happened that day. And Kate Bosworth must be literally an angel sent from heaven because she saw me. um, One of the producers on the film was a friend of mine and he was good friends with her. So they were together at lunch and they kind of saw me huddled in a corner and they were like, what's going on? I'm like, ah, they rewrote the whole scene and I'm freaking out because, you know, especially on a, on a, on a, low budget project Mm. time is of the essence you don't have time to spare like Mm. you you just need to like be on it and know know your shit Mm -hmm. and just get it done yeah yeah um it's a drag queen podcast you can (laughs) 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 you you gotta know your shit so um and kate was like all right let's go she's like i've got three lines today let's go and she must have she followed me to like hair and makeup while they're sitting there, you know, beating my face, she's running lines with me. She, then we get on set. And in the scene that we were shooting, she's in it, but she doesn't actually say anything. She just kind of runs in at the end. So she, she's like, I don't, I'm, she's like, I got nothing. I got nothing but time. So she, Aww. and then there was a point when we were filming where I was like, my brain was getting so jumbled and I just cut kept forgetting and she because I would never have the balls to do it but she was like you know what you guys she's like we need she needs 10 she no. like found everything outside she's like drink some water she's like let's run it again let's run it three times what a sweetheart so it was just wow. 
really, really wonderful thing. She is an angel. But so, so Wild Indian, they're just, they're still finishing up some reshoots on that. So Great. I don't know um, what's up with that. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to watch that scene. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Knowing that literally every word that came out of my mouth. And again, it's like, like I said, it's a small part, but yeah. still it's, it's kind of a crucial scene. Yeah. Um, every single word that came out of my mouth, I was just, just reaching into the depths of my soul to just remember it. <laughs> Um, I have a film called Yes that is coming out, I believe, actually, I need to do some sort of a, again, very, 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 very low budget independent film, but very like strange, deep story matter. It's with uh, Nolan Gould from uh, Modern Family. Okay, fab. I have a, a, a very nice role in that. Um, it's Great. called Yes, and it, a bunch. Of, I I need to to double check what all the streaming platforms are, but it's it's on demand through numerous um, streaming networks. Amazing. Okay, we can't wait to see. Uh, Jenna, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Amazing. It's been so much fun. You need to come to Ireland for a drink soon. Well, listen, my grandmother was from Ireland, so. Okay, then we're holding you to that. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us and hopefully we can get uh, a drink and chat soon. Amazing. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so okay, much. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you, darling. She was so lovely. Lovely gal. Yes, lovely gal. You wouldn't think after seeing her being so, you know... So mean. You know, so mean for all those years that she was utterly pleasant. Pleasant is the word. <laughs> and she's done so much. And she, mm. she, if you're following her Instagram, because we did that interview a couple of months back. And by a couple, I mean uh, last summer. Um, I've just been very... <laughs> Very lazy. We're banking them We're up, girls. Banking them We're banking up. them up. We're banking them up. So some of the conversations are a little bit dated, but there's only so much editing we can do. We're very busy queens. But uh, if you do go to her Instagram, Jenna Lee Green, she's doing a lot of TV shows at the moment. So I'm, I'm delighted that she's back. Mm-hmm. Oh my Lord. Anyway, so it is time before we go to answer another one of our listener questions. Um, Maximilian mm-hmm. Foy, would you like to read it this week? Would you like to reach into the bag and get a letter I, I would I would absolutely do you know what I've 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 got a fair amount of fan mail now about my how do you about, know about my sexy silvery <laughs> silver tongued yes. voice reading out Ooh, these things yes. now apparently Lovely. it's very popular with the listeners yes. also I love so that we're being very <laughs> in, um sustainable and environmentally friendly we only allow paper letters in we don't take any emails or texts it has yes. to be paper yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. it has to be it has to be recycled paper yes. and you have to find the address and if it's meant to be it's meant to be <laughs> there we go my dearest friends of Dorothy may I begin by saying that this series is an absolute triumph oh. correct your recent episode in which you went grave digging with Liza Minnelli was a total riot who knew she was such a fanatic I picked up quite a few tips and tricks from her that I'm looking forward to trying out this weekend closing the episode by burying Kiki alive <laughs> was as they say chef's kiss <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. I'm not sure whether that was the sound or the words. <laughs> Chef's kiss, bravo, but there you go. I'm writing to you from County Roscommon, famously known as the homes of Hollywood icons Maureen O'Sullivan <laughs> and Chris O'Dowd, while also being the only county in Ireland to vote no during the gay marriage referendum. That's true. This, my dear queens, leads me to my question. I have been dating another man. William, 
for the last six months. And we are both utterly in love. Will I say that bit again? <laughs> utterly, utterly. We are both. And we are both utterly in love. Usually this news would be something to celebrate, but I'm afraid I have a number of issues that have led to us dating in secret. My father is the mayor of Roscommon and is extremely <laughs> against both gay marriage and dancing. This had led my siblings and I to lead a very inactive dating life as my father had banned both local dances and any gay gatherings. I have been sneaking out to meet William every night at our local abbey, which is where I first met him during a midnight stroll many months ago. At this point, I feel like I should also tell you that my boyfriend is a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Ghost of William Wilde, father to Oscar and the renowned Roscommon surgeon. This act. This. Fuck's sake. This. This adds an extra issue to my dilemma, as my father also hates anything to do with the supernatural, and any mention of it is banned from our household. This coming weekend, I plan on digging up William's body for our six-month anniversary. Which... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> One, two, three. This coming weekend, I plan on digging up William's body for our six-month anniversary. Which is why I was so excited by Liza's tips. While I'm excited for our anniversary celebrations, I feel upset that I can't share this with my family. I want to come out and declare our love once and for all, but I'm afraid of my father's reaction. What should I do? Yours desperately, Ren. Ren. Ren, Ren. Well, listen, I am. Um, I've always been a supporter of interracial relationships, and I suppose ghost people, human relationships. I, I, I support that too. I mean, I, I, I hope everything works. Like, I hope they're having a good time. Kiki did, you know, spring to, to fame, not as a drag queen, but as um, as someone featured on Most Haunted. Um, she was with the vet fielding, um, trying to find her, her lost lover, um, which was a startling episode, to say the least. Um, so you have had similar experience. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot. It's it's a lot of trauma, a lot of ghost ghostly goings on. I don't know. Yes, well, that's why what? ghosts are around, is because of trauma. Well, yes. <laughs> so maybe you'd it's be most a ghost. Haunted with the girls. Maybe I am a ghost. Maybe this is all a dream. Are you maybe you are. Well, you look happening? like a ghost at the moment in this lighting because you have the lights <laughs> turned off on your Zoom. <laughs> so, no, you look like the girl from the Blair Witch Project at the moment. <laughs> I do look crazy. Do you know what? I actually think when when I was younger, I may have I may have dated ghosts fairly regularly, because I would I would meet someone. I did, Lovely. I did. So I'm thinking it's all coming together. But when I, back in back in my formative gay years, I used to go I used to go um uh, out and uh, meeting people, and I and I'd bring them back. We'd have a great old time, but in the morning when I woke up, they'd always be gone. <laughs> And I, so I presume they must have been ghosts. Mm. 
there, there's a lot to unpack in this letter I have to say you know obviously the your father being yeah, against we need to break this down there's a lot in there it almost sounds yeah. like the ramblings of a mad woman <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Poor Ren's father, the mayor of Roscommon, he's against gays, he's against dancing, and he's against two supernatural uh, things. So the fact that Ren is dating a gay ghost and probably dancing mm. under the moonlight in an abbey is really just a, a huge act of rebellion. Um, I will say... I am delighted to hear that he liked our episode with Liza Minnelli because I knew you had a lot of um, um, reservations about going grave digging with Liza Minnelli, but I knew that the, the listeners mm-hmm. would appreciate that. That was one of our campus episodes yet. Um, I, don't, I think the whole thing is just... I, I just want to say, I think the whole thing is... <laughs> I, I don't see the, the need when dating a ghost to dig up the body. So that's my first reservation. Um, but, maybe, but don't you need to do something with the bones? The bones of the ghost. Well, maybe it's not a poltergeist then. It's more of like a an apparition. Kiki, your first reaction was, I hope everything works. And I suppose the only yes. way to find out if any... Every, I suppose the only way to find out if everything works would be to dig up the body. And mm. Oscar Wilde's father, William Wilde, was a very famous surgeon. So if there mm. anything needs to be put back together, mm. his ghost would be there on hand to give advice. So now I'm seeing the attraction mm. Ren has. Absolutely. You know, it's a, the it's whole a triple thing, threat the, she's dating. The whole thing sounds a little like 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 the, the witches meets like Dirty Dancing or Flash Footloose, Dance. I think. Which one Footloose, is the one I think. Dancing's band? Footloose. Footloose <laughs> and Fancy one. Free. Yes. And, 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 oh and funnily enough, the main character played by Kevin Bacon in uh, Footloose was also named Ren. So I am seeing a weird Ooh. connection here that <laughs> I've only picked up on oh. now. <laughs> She's possessed. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, looking at the photo of him here, I mean, he sent, he sent two photos in. So thank you for that, Ren, because you know we do like visuals. Okay, the, the first photo says me and William, but William does not show up in the photo. So it's just himself. <laughs> and then the, the other one is himself, uh, his father and his mother, who, to be honest, looks like a lot like Diane West, who played the mother in Flash Dance <laughs> as well, uh, in Footloose as well. So uh, a lot of connections. Max, a small town gay, which you are as well, you know, in... Uh, from a town near Roscommon. What advice would you mm-hmm. have to Ren who's about to dig up um, the body of his boyfriend and and w- do you do you think show it just show it have fun on on his own or do you think present it at a family <laughs> Sunday dinner? Do you know what? Like a Texas know, Chainsaw a, Massacre moment almost. As a person uh, I believe uh, you saw that documentary about my life the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes I did. And yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I did of course <laughs> dig up that dig up a body and uh, revealed it by pulling away the tablecloth uh, halfway through the yes. dinner to, to, to reveal mm. to reveal the body Crazy there. Girl. Uh, and do you know what? Um, I feel like in Roscommon you don't get a big gay hoopla you know, like, and I feel like there's nothing says a big gay hoopla to me than revealing uh, a bejeweled and bejazzled corpse there uh, for everybody <coughs> to have a nice look at. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling that, but I have one even bigger <laughs> because the father is also against dancing, right? What about, yes, you know, so he's he's digging this grave up on the weekend. He didn't specify mm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Um, I'm assuming mm. not Sunday because you'd have mass on Sunday. So mm. he, if he has the bo- if God. he has the body already in hand, what about presenting it during mass? Mm. But, you know, so there's there's the supernatural. 
Then that's mm. the gay romance. But then to get the dancing in, what about getting all the gays in Roscommon to do some sort of flash mob with the corpse in Sunday Mass? Like an interpretive dance, like a coming out. Girl, make it a TikTok and we Make it a, a TikTok and we have a movie. How has nobody made a movie yeah. like this before? It's like the the, the Roscommon version of Weekend at it's Bernie's. It's a classic tale. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a tale of two loves. Tale of one two loves. Seen, one to be not. Yes, and maybe if William wanted to appear, or maybe, you know, hold on to Ren, and Ren's floating around, you know, above the the crowd at mass, while the, day, the gay flash mob is, like, throwing the, the corpse around in some sort of weird interpretive coming out dance. I mean, that's mm-hmm. also quite family friendly. And cook and I, I will. We will say we will only be casting ghosts. We will only to be casting ghosts. ghosts. All, We're not also, doing a whole. Ross you know, Common very famously voted no. This could be the thing that turns them and go goes. Okay, the gays are all right. But you know what? It it really shows why Ross Common voted no, yes. didn't it? If if, mm. if 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 all if all the gays in Ross Common were ghosts, they wouldn't have been able to hold the pen to tick the box. Ah. <laughs> Ghostly gaze of Roscommon. Ren, I wish you the best of luck. Ladies, any last words to Ren? Good luck, love. Good um, luck. Wise words there from Gigi. <laughs> Just sounds like a lot. And if you need a hand digging up that corpse chicken, I'll be out on the broom. I'm only living down the road. I'm only living down the road in Longford, and I'll get me back in under that shovel. And let's go digging up bodies. <laughs> Oh, everybody, thank you so much for joining into this episode. As usual, please like, subscribe, rate and review the pod and send your dear love and support to our, our dear friends, Ren and William in Roscommon. The best of luck to you this weekend. I'll be seeing you at, at Mass on Sunday. Yes. Ladies, make it happen. Take it away, Twitter. Do your thing. <laughs> See you very soon, my loves. Bye Have a lovely bye. weekend. See you in a few months. Baby